0: I don't know about you, but uh, my favorite day of the week is a Friday. And it's always been Friday since I've been at school. And the reason why it was Friday when I was at school was Friday was the day when we used to get the TV played to us as part of our education. It would take four of us to try and shove it down the corridor. It was so large, but yet so small in terms of screen size. But oh, the joy of, of oh, I don't know, 150 kids sat down watching this tiny screen. As I mean, if you watch the programs now, you'd be thinking, how terrible. But back then, when it was a choice of your teacher or oh, this screen, <laughs> the screen one every time. So I think that way. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sort of visual learner. Uh, so, so when it comes to, to learning, to doing things, if I can see it, Oh, it makes more sense than I uh, just hearing it. Or, or oh, hi Caroline, sorry. Oh, <laughs> nice to have you. Um, so, um, oh, that's thrown me completely. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline's back. <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> <laughs> so, when it comes to to this passage, all I can think of is a film. So, I, I thought I'd read the passage to you and I show you, so you get to see what happens in the. The brain of Thompson here. What's going through my brain? Are you up for this? And then you'll see how strange I really am. Okay, so we're reading from uh, John's Gospel, and we're reading from chapter 21. If you've all got a Bible, or a phone, or iPad, or something else. So it says this, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, uh, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus' He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of a large number of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals. There were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon uh, Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, a hundred and fifty three Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Again he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, Do you love me? he said, Lord, You know in all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will be stretched out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said to this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread amongst the believers that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies these things, who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did other things as well, and every one of them were written down. I suppose that even, even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. Huh, that's a long reading, is not it? Do, do, do you get it? Do you see what I see? I just see this story of, of Jesus. Well, John telling this story about their encounter with Jesus. And I feel, I feel the pain for some people. Watch this. The future is bright at Monsters Incorporated. I'm in this We're one. Part I'm of in this your one. Life. We power your car, we warm your home, we light your city. I'm Monsters Incorporated. Hey, look, Betty! Carefully matching every child to their ideal (laughs) monster to produce superior screen, refined into clean, dependable energy. Every time you turn something on, Monsters Incorporated is there. I'm Monsters Incorporated. We know the challenge. The window of innocence is shrinking. Human kids are harder to scare. Of course, M.I. is prepared for the future with the top scarers, the best <laughs> refineries, and research into new energy techniques. <laughs> okay, here I come. We're working for a better tomorrow. Today. We're Monsters Incorporated. We're I? Monsters Incorporated. We scare because we care. Wasn't it Gitz? What you don't see is how um, how uh, Mike, the little guy, reacts after that because he rejoices that he made it into the advert even though he was only on for a fraction of a second before the thing came over. This is the same as how I see this passage. John is writing a gospel that will be written, uh, read down through the centuries, thousands of years. People in churches will be reading this story and hear As we hear the story, John says, well, there were seven of us us who went fishing that night. There was Peter, there was was Thomas, there was Nathaniel, there was the sons of thunder, both James and and myself, John. And he says, and and two others. Imagine those two turning up to churches and going, that's me. I was one of the two. Sorry, that's just how my head works. But uh, <laughs> just this thing that he, he misses out on two characters, two people who, who imagine wanted to be part of the story, wanted to be part of the resurrection experience. And all he puts after ah, was two other people in the boat as well. But what a story. What a story for these seven people who go out fishing all night and they catch nothing. In fact, if you read any story with Peter fishing, if Jesus doesn't give him permission, he catches nothing. He must be the worst fisherman I've ever heard of. You know what I mean? Every time, you catch anything. No, 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 no. But whenever Jesus turns up, there seems to be this catch of fish. This is stated as the third appearance of Jesus to his disciples, but it's actually the fifth appearance. Because the first appearance was to Mary. Um, when, when Jesus turned up and said, Mary, and she thought it was the gardener until he said her name, and she turns around and discovers it's Jesus. Two people on the road to Emmaus, they're walking and they're talking with this stranger all the way there. They have no idea who it is until they, 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 they stop. And when they stop, um, he says, they say, come in, have some food with us, to persuade this stranger to come in. And he takes some bread and he breaks it. And as he breaks it, their eyes are open. This is Jesus. And they run back to Jerusalem to tell the others. And then you have um, Jesus appearing to the disciples in the room. The disciples, even though they've been told over and over again that Jesus is going to come back to, to life, even though they've had reports from other people, Jesus turns up in the room. They freak. And, and they think, oh, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. And Jesus has to take some fish and some bread and go, look, ghosts don't eat. They don't have body. I wish he was a bit more clear. I went, come on, you Egyptians! There's no such thing as a ghost. But on this occasion, he doesn't say that. He says, look, he doesn't have a body. I have a body. I am not a spirit. I am really here. Unfortunately for one of them, Thomas, I don't know where Thomas was, I imagine he'd gone shopping or something, but he comes back and they're all raving about seeing Jesus, and he goes, I'm believing none of it unless I can put my fingers in the hole and my hand in his side. Well, seven days later, Jesus reappears in that room and says to Thomas, come on in, come and put your fingers in the holes. And it says, Thomas gets on his knees and he says, my Lord and my God. Then they all head to Ju- head up north to Galilee, where Jesus has told them to go, and this is where we find this account. John wrote this account. Peter wrote an account with someone called Mark. We find the Gospel of Mark a little bit f- um, earlier in our Bibles. It was one of the first ones written, but something interesting is written in Mark that isn't written in the other three Gospels. Let me re- read it to you. This is uh, verse 6. It says, Don't be alarmed. This is the angel speaking to, to, to Mary. He says, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of, Naz- uh, of Nazare- Nazarene, uh, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell the, his disciples and Peter... He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Tell his disciples and Peter. His disciples and Peter. Why the and Peter? Well, I reckon he's out. He's no longer part of the gang. He's no longer in the crew. He's, he's been booted out. He messed up. He denied the Lord. And now when the angel tells Mary, she says, tell the disciples and Peter, meet me in Galilee. So, so, so Peter's had these two experiences of, of meeting with Jesus. But they haven't satisfied his, his restoration into the group. He's met with them. But he's not been accepted as such. So, what he says is, where he says, he stands up and he goes, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm no longer a disciple, so what do I do? I fish. I'm going fishing. And that's when the others uh, come up and say, Well, we'll go fishing with you. Five appearances. And in those five appearances, there's something different about Jesus that no one recognizes him. Mary, no clue who Jesus was until he spoke. She was convinced that that he was the gardener. Where have you put him? Tell me where, where the body is and I'll go and collect it. And then Jesus says, Mary. And at that point, she realizes this isn't the gardener. This is Jesus. He looks different. The two on the road to Emmaus, they're walking with him for hours. You think if it was Jesus, they were recognized him. They did not recognize him until he broke bread. It was the recognition of what he did that opened their eyes. The disciples, when they were there, it, it said that he, they didn't recognize him until he showed them the marks of the crucifixion. Here he's on the shore. And you have the whole confusion as it goes through. Is it Jesus or not? They recognize him because of the miraculous the miraculous uh, fish that, 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 that they caught. Without that, they had no recognition of who he was. And even there, it says, no one dared ask, who are you? Because he didn't look the same. And I love this. I love this because Jesus in our world... Needs to be recognised. Oh, got us! There we go. Recognising Jesus. We need to recognise him because you know, you see, Jesus said, "I'm going to send my Spirit." The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, and transforms us to be more like Jesus. And occasionally, occasionally, we recognise Jesus in other people. We recognise him by what he does. Don't you ever get caught up in the excitement sometimes when you see something think, oh, something's going on here. There's something godly happening here. Wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be great if, uh, if suddenly God turned up in this place and there were so many people that we couldn't get them in? Can you ever imagine that happening? Mean, so many people that you couldn't get them in this church or even in the parish church. They would be so full. You know that happened here in Mitch and Hampton? You know, it, there was a, a man called George Whitfield. And if, you, if anyone plays golf, okay, then you're blessed by God. But there's a golf hold uh, over in, in the old course called uh, um, Whitfield's Tump. And it's where he used to preach. And he'd come to, to, from Gloucester over here on his horse in the old days, and he'd preach in Gloucester, not Gloucester, in, in Stroud in the morning, and he'd come up to Mitchenhampton in the afternoon, evening, and he would preach from this little tump, and it's hardly even a tump, it's hardly even to recognize it. It's so small. I took, if uh, we went walking on um, Boxing Day this year, and we, I took uh, Peter and some others over there. It was t- tiny, wasn't it, Peter? You, you, it was like, is this it? And he's like, it's small, it's a small little place, and from there he preached, See twelve thousand people who gathered to hear him speak. God was at work in that man. You know, he was part of a group um, called the. Well, he went to a un, a little university, one of those uh, little ones. What do you call it? Um, Oxford. Anyone heard of that one? Anyone here go to Oxford? i one or two. And, and and there was a they started a Christian union called, called the Holy Club. But that was popular. Anyone joining me at the Holy Club? Uh, and in that holy club, there, there, there was a couple of guys that you, you may hear. There was a guy called John Wesley and his brothers Charlie and, the, and and there was this George Whitfield who turned the world upside down. Gathered small, but God was up to something. Maybe we need to pray for our universities that God will start and do something similar today. But God was at work and because of that, they turned this world upside down. People would gather. There's a little, I don't know if you know, there's a little blue plaque on one of the walls down in Stroud where it says, John Wesley preached here on a, on a butcher's block. Um, and I think, wow. Would have been impressive, but they inspired other people. So he, they, they inspired a guy called William Booth. William Booth was a, was just this guy who, who had the best vision ever for a church. His vision for church was this: three, three S's. Uh, it was soup, it was soap, and it was salvation. What's a Salvation Army about? Three things: soup, soap, and salvation. And I thought, oh, that's that's a, that's a that's a great purpose statement there itself. Soup, soap, salvation. And they took this and he said, we're going to reach those who are unreachable in this, in this country, those who are forgotten by the church, those who are, who are poor, those who are in prison, those who are, who are forgotten, and they went out the ways and they turned this country upside down. And there's other people we could speak about, things like the Boys Brigade. You know what I mean? I joined the Boys Brigade. And they kicked me out. <laughs> you know why they kicked me out? Because I refused to go to church. Bit ironic now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but That's true. Because I, I didn't go to church. I thought they can't kick me out. I'm the best footballer they got. They didn't care about the football. They cared about God. And so I was kicked out. My mum had to go and have words with them about the uniform. She spent a fortune getting me a uniform, and then they said, you're no longer welcome. So uh... God is at work, and sometimes we need to recognize him. Sometimes we need to see that God is doing stuff, and and God is doing stuff in our country today, not just in our history, but he's doing stuff today. I mean, look at food banks. If it wasn't for food banks, I mean, where would this country be? Again, starry, thought through by, by Christians. And there's, there's loads of other things going on, and sometimes we just need to, to recognize it. I used to run a kids' club, and I used to get 200-plus kids coming uh, you know, I mean, over, over, over the, the period. People would come regularly, about 200 kids. And I got really disappointed that none of these kids were finding God. And I was like, well, what's going on? And I remember praying to God going, why aren't, they, why aren't they following you? What's going on? And I remember God saying, well, it's not about the kids. And I thought, oh, what's that about? And it's, it's, it was about the teenagers. We had about 35, 40 teenagers helping us to run these clubs. And they were all finding Jesus and joining the church and, and really going on in the faith. And I thought it was about the kids. It took me a long time to learn that God was on the move. I just didn't recognize what He was doing. God is on the move here. And sometimes we may look at things going, I don't recognize, is that Jesus or not Jesus? And yes, it is Jesus, and we need to recognize that God is still at work. His Holy Spirit is still at work within our lives, and we need to recognize what he's doing within us. And that we need to recognize what he's doing with others so we can join in. One of our, one of our um, statements as, as a church, one of our vision statements, and I'm going to have to look at it up somewhere, um, says... God is at work. We need to spot it. No, that's not it. Oh, I hate that when I write it down. There it is. God is at work. We need to spot this, this Jesus working in his people and join in. We need to join in what God is doing. We need to recognize it and we need to be part of it. That's recognition. Second thing is Restoration. I love some programs on the TV. One of my favorites is, anyone, anyone watch Car S.O.S.? just me and one other, <laughs> Simon, to, I love it, they, take, they, they sort of turn up to this house, and there's this car that looks like the one on the left, that's battered, and you think it's full of rust, it possibly can't be restored, and these guys turn up, and they take it away, when someone's not looking, almost like steal it from the owner, but all the kids have sort of say, can you help dad fix his car, and they take the car away, and then return it to him, all done up and perfect and beautiful, almost like it's brand new. And I think, wow, that's, that's, that's great. But that's what God is, is doing here in Peter. He's taking Peter and says, I, I, I need to restore you. you. You've wandered from me. You've chosen to curse me rather than be part of me. And I need to bring you back in. And he does it by these statements. Peter, do you love me? And I love it. I love it because we, we, we only have really one word for love, don't we? We love, I don't know, I, 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 love, I love my wife. I love my dog. I love chicken curry. <laughs> I love Fridays. I love playing golf. It's all the same word. But in, in Jesus' day in Greek, there was different words to describe it. It's a bit like if you go to Scotland, we don't just have one word for rain. We have 385 words for rain. (laughs) So when it comes to love, they had more in one word. And the the word here that Jesus says, do you you love me? It's the word agape. It means God's love. Do you love me? Sacrificial. Do you love me? All giving. Like that. And Peter goes, no, no, no. I love you like a Like a brother. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? No, I, I, I love you like a brother, but not, not that much. Do you love me, Peter, like a brother? Yeah, I love you like that. You see, Peter didn't realize that what Jesus saw in him. Jesus knew that Peter would love him like he asked, with that agape love, that self-sacrificing love, that love like God. He knew that Peter would love him like that. But Peter didn't see that in himself. He could only see that I can love you this much and no more. But yet Jesus believed in him. No, no, he says, I can see it much deeper. You see, he could see what would happen in the future when Peter would lay down his life and be crucified for Jesus. In fact, the tradition tells us that he was crucified upside down because he said he didn't feel worthy enough to die the same way that Jesus did. It says in the Bible that no greater, there's no greater love than a man who lays down his life for his friends. That's loving like God. Imperial lay his life down. For his friend Jesus. Gave up his life. Because he wouldn't give up his name. He wouldn't stop speaking about him. Talking about him. Talking how what a difference he made. In his life. He believed in Peter. And you know the other thing is that. That he believes. In you. He believes in you. And he wants to restore you. You know this. When Jesus came. It says no one knew what God was like. Except for except for Jesus, because Jesus is with God. I better watch my time. Um, And he said he was the only one who could describe him. And he says, he described him. He says, I describe him. He says, "like like a father with his arms open wide, waiting for his children to come home so he can love them and restore them to what they should be. That's how Jesus describes God the Father. A God who's always there to restore. And the last thing is we need to respond. Responding to God. Peter responded. I love it, (laughs) what Peter says there. When he he talks about his death, you know, you're going to be led where you don't want to go. When John goes on, he's speaking about his death. You'll be dressed and led where you don't want to go. And what does Peter say? He turns around and points at John and goes, well, what about him? And Jesus says, that's got nothing to do with you. It's about you. You know, God does not have grandchildren. He just has children. It doesn't matter what your parents believe. It matters what you believe. We're not big for christening children in this church because we believe that when you're old enough you need to make up your own mind it's not about the faith of parents it's about your own faith about making up your own mind whether or not you're going to follow Jesus at some point you're all going to be asked that question will you follow him or not will you give your life to him or not it's your choice your choice and it's open to all. Every Christmas, it seems that my parents give my my children checks. Bizarre things, checks, aren't they? They seem so old-fashioned nowadays. You look at them going... Who writes these sort of things? And, and we, we, we get a check. And, and Luke often comes to me and goes, What is this? Oh, what am I supposed to Can you not just give me cash? I've got to go to the bank. Who goes to the bank nowadays? How am I supposed to spend, spend this? And the thing is, and what we, we've learned over the years, because we've done it a few times uh, over the years, is that we, we don't cash it in. And we have a check. I think we've got a check there for Rachel from when you turned 30. 40, 50, um, it's been there a long time, but you, I mean, you can have a check forever, it's a lovely gift, but unless you do something, you don't actually do something with it, you actually don't get the money that it's meant to give you. You can have it, you can put it as a poster as you want in the wall, but it won't do you any good unless you take it to the bank. Or nowadays, take a picture of it and somehow magic happens through the internet and it becomes money in your bank. Anyway, you've got to do something with it is what I'm saying. It's the same when it comes to Jesus. Jesus' offer is always there. Come. Come follow me. But it's up to us how we respond to that. So Three things. Recognizing Jesus, allowing Jesus to restore us, but we've got to respond to him. We've got to respond to him. His arms are open wide, and he wants us to follow him as his children. Amen. We have an opportunity for response in song now. Um, And and these are the the, the two songs that Liz chose for for following Steve and what he said, and I think they're they're great songs to sing um, as we respond to to what God has done for us and continues to do for us. Um, As you look back on your life, maybe as Christians, maybe not yet Christians, um, and you think of those times when...